Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for 100 episodes. Hope you enjoy our 100th episode. We appreciate you being along for the journey and stay tuned for everything we have next in season six. Woo! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. I am Amy Gunn, and today I am joined by Megan Crow and Elizabeth McNulty. For those of you who have been listening to our past few episodes, you probably know that we have spent a lot of time preparing for and being in trial the last few months. And today's episode, we want to talk about a couple of things adjacent to being in trial, including how to plan to be out of commission. In other words, how to plan to be in trial and what that means with respect to your workload and your life and your family. And then on the other side of that, when the bright light starts shining on you again and you're out of trial or you're out of that big project and you can re-enter society and your life. So I want to start with this notion of how do you plan to be out of commission or how do you plan to be in trial? Specifically, what things do you do to make sure that things hopefully don't fall through the cracks. Elizabeth? I think first you have to like start way ahead of time and plan your calendar accordingly. Make sure that those, you know, few weeks or a few days and I guess some instances are already blocked off and you haven't kind of set yourself up for failure and you don't have to scurry to like get coverage for, you know, a bunch of hearings that you have set during trial. But sometimes that's inevitable. And hopefully at that point, I would say like a few weeks ahead of time, you have colleagues that can help you cover those things. or if need be, have them move. Here, a lot of the times, I know that people ask each other to cover certain things if they can't get moved, and that's certainly no problem. If you're a solo practitioner, hopefully you can get that rearranged or maybe you think far enough ahead to where you don't double book yourself like that. Because I think that that helps a lot because, you know, once a few weeks before trial, you really have to devote all of your time and attention to that one case. So you kind of have to plan ahead and hopefully your team knows that as well. If you have someone that schedules things for you, knows to kind of block that time off for you. And there's nothing more stressful than looking at your calendar and seeing a full calendar almost up to the minute of your trial, because actually getting ready for trial can be delightful, but it requires, in my world, like silence, (laughs) complete silence. Complete dedication. Yes. I need to be in my office, nothing going on, no one talking, reading and strategizing and analyzing. It's not until that calendar is totally clear that I feel like I can completely devote myself to trial prep. And the same is true for that week of trial, because oftentimes we find ourselves double booking because sometimes cases do settle or they do get pushed and you don't want to have no cases set. But you look at the calendar and you see two depositions set for the same week you're supposed to be in trial, and that is compounding stress. So Elizabeth, I agree with you. You really have to take a look at a certain period of time prior to trial and just at least get back up for it. That's what I like to do. I like to try to get back up and say, hey, can you cover this deposition? 
if I am in trial or if the case doesn't settle, and then it's out of your mind. I had um, two cases that just went to trial back to back pretty much. There was about two weeks in between. A lot of times my paralegal will look at my calendar for me and say, you're free on this day. Does that work? And I kind of take her word for it. I'm like, yeah, of course that works. And then not realizing until you know, it's coming up that, oh, this is actually the week before a trial. Of course, there's nothing on my calendar on that day, but like there's an unspoken thing on my calendar that day. So actually this most recent time, luckily there was no hearings or anything that I really had to appear for in court, but there was some phone calls that had been scheduled, a deposition that had been scheduled. And it was really a quick email to the other side saying, hey, I'm actually prepping for trial. Do you think we could reset this in a couple weeks? And it was no problem, but I basically just went through this where I had to kind of clear my calendar the week before of some stuff that was on it. And usually everyone's very accommodating of that and understandable. Trial but it, usually it's is not the magic you, word. Yeah. For getting, it's not something that I typically think about if, look, this day is free for me. Yeah, sure. I'll put something on it. But it definitely requires you to think ahead more than that. And then we're compelled, let's say that the trial lasts a week. So you have to keep that clear. At least that's the best strategy. And then you want to start immediately filling up the next week because you're already feeling badly about being out of commission a week or two. And is that a good idea, Megan? What do you think? I have that compulsion (laughs) to do that, but I don't think it is um, a great idea because that is, we said the word triage earlier. You kind of feel like you're triaging a lot of things at once. You need to give yourself enough time to go through all of your emails and look at your calendar and look at your case list and kind of reevaluate what all needs to be done. And you definitely need to allow yourself some grace and some time to do that. So I don't think it's a great idea to schedule things right after, even though it might be appealing or you think, oh, I'm going to have this huge weight lifted off my shoulders by this time because this trial is going to be over. And no matter what happens, you know, it'll be off my list, so to speak. But I think if you can leave yourself a week before you really start doing or at least a day or two before you can start oh, see scheduling how fast anything. You went from a week to a day, an hour, <laughs> the morning. Because yeah. then you're just compounding your stress, and you're starting to stress about this new thing, and you haven't had time to get through all the other things that were piling up when you were gone. And I think that's a recipe for disaster. I had a very similar experience, Megan, that you did, which is I tried a case, had two weeks, and then tried a case for the next two weeks. And then immediately went to a conference and then immediately came back and filled an entire week, a month of work in a week, and then went on a family vacation and then came back to another case that was set. And you would think, well, that was great planning for that family vacation. And it was, and it was a wonderful vacation. But I tell you what, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to recover from back-to-back trials. And I have never tried two cases a week and two weeks within a five-week period in all my years because I try to plan it better. But it's been a little bit of COVID holdovers and really owing it to our clients to get these cases done. And if that means overloading us for, you know, eight, 12 months, I've accepted that. I really have tried to accept that. So the good news is, is it doesn't happen every year. At least it hasn't happened to me. And I hope it never happens again. (laughs) I really do. But when I think about lessons I've learned from having cases, you have to know what relaxes you. 
You have to know what rejuvenates you, what fills you up. And if you don't know what that is, you're never going to feel that way because you're not doing those things that will cause you to feel better. So I know what makes me feel better. And it's simple. It is simple shopping. And this past time, it was I've started getting regular facials, Hmm. you know, when you're getting some lines on your face that you don't like. But if you don't schedule them, a lot of times it takes a month to get in. So if you're not scheduling what rejuvenates you until you're done with your trial, by the time you get that calendar, you're going to be in trial again. So I've tried to look at my calendar way in advance and say, okay, I'm going to be done with this case on June 27th. And my next case doesn't start until, you know, August 1st. Then in mid-July, I'm going to get my haircut. I'm going to plan to see my shopping gal. I'm going to get my, you know, all the things that make me feel better. But if they're not planned, they don't get done. And then you just feel doubly bad. So Elizabeth, what do you like to do and how do you get refilled? I think that my main one is also pretty simple, but it's season dependent in the state of Missouri, (laughs) at least. I really just like to lay by the pool and read a book. I like keeps my phone out of my hand. I'm like not engaged with, you know, this reality that we're living in. So it like really helps me like relax and recharge. And I don't feel the need to like look at my email constantly. Would you ever do that during the week? No, don't even think about it. So I actually kind of got lucky with this last trial that we did. We had closed a day earlier than we expected to. We ended up closing on Monday, but we had all been planning to close initially on Tuesday. So, you know, the out-of-office message is on till Tuesday. Oh, I never take that Um, off. And so there's obviously still nothing on my calendar for that Tuesday. So actually that next day, as lame as this is, I knew the one thing that was going to make me feel better that day was taking time to clean my apartment because I had, you know, three weeks of laundry piled up and my kitchen was a mess and like my space wasn't clean and tidy. And that was causing me like a different level of anxiety. And so I was actually saying to my partner on the case on the way out, I was like, I'm really looking forward to cleaning my apartment. And he was like, you're crazy. And I was like, (laughs) it's going to make me feel so much better. I have like needed to do this. So I took the first half of the day and I did all my cleaning and my laundry and all the the housekeeping things I needed to do. And I felt like a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders. And then the second half of the day, kind of like Elizabeth, what makes me relax is sitting out on my balcony on my porch with a book. And so the second half of that day, I just grabbed a book, left my phone inside on the couch, sat out on my balcony and read, and I felt amazing. I think that's exactly right. The only thing I would take issue with is she should have done two days, not just one. I know. (laughs) I I actually had intended to take another day at least, but I... (laughs) triage my email, realized I have deadlines coming up. I had some filing deadlines today for more pretrial motions for another upcoming trial that I needed to get. So it just kind of was, I realized after that one day, it was going to cause me more anxiety to take another day off when I I wanted to get more stuff done. Yeah. Well, I never get up without looking at my emails. Okay. Every day of the week, seven days a week. But the triage is a very important part of this, which is look at them, delete what you can, organize what you can, forward to delegate what you can, and then look at what's left and think, can I send an email that says, I'll get back to you tomorrow? Can I send an email that says, I'll get back to you next week? 
And as long as you touch that email and give people expectations, I think you're fine. I think you're fine. Now, deadlines are different, but I suspect most of us see these deadlines coming up and have planned for them. And then once I look at that and get everything kind of squared away, then I can put it down for at least a few hours, if not for the whole day, depending on, you know, what I had planned to do. And that's really important. But if you're looking at kind of the bigger picture of how to really decompress, it ain't one day. It is not just one day. And I'm speaking to you two. I'm speaking to myself, to everybody who's listening. It's not one day, but it can be a few days or a few hours over multiple days. And the way I feel better is, all right, I'm going to take this half day to do the house stuff. Because Megan, I'm like you. I mean, I'm not fastidious about things, but I know what things need to look like. And I live with three boys and two cats. And so it can look great when I go to bed and not so great the next morning. And so normally my time to do that is first thing in the morning. I just, again, just kind of squaring things away, getting a handle on things. But then I always, and I'm never afraid to do things for myself. So you got to do that. And this time I am feeling like I needed more because I just settled a case that was supposed to go Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. And so I stayed home Tuesday and Wednesday. Now I checked all my emails. I did the triage. But then both my boys are home and generally around the house during the day. And my husband was out of town. And y'all, I cooked dinner three nights in a row. Wow. <laughs> I know. Everybody's like, you? You don't cook? I don't. But I figured it out and we do this blue apron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, you know, you just follow. I can read an instruction. I mean, I can read a recipe. <laughs> you can follow a recipe. Blue apron is pretty advanced, though. I, of, out of all the meal services, I found that one to be the most advanced. Well, I should probably not know that because if there are simpler ones, I'll probably start <laughs> switching over. There but are. we've always just been real. It's been so easy. It would just get the same thing. But we've got two blue aprons. So I did that on Sunday night and Monday night. And then Tuesday, my younger son and I had to pop into the grocery store. And I said, well, what do you want to do for dinner? And he goes, well, what about turkey burgers? And I thought, what? (laughs) My husband is a wonderful cook and he does most of the cooking. But I've seen him do a turkey burger before. I mean, how hard could it be? So we bought ground turkey and some buns. And I came home and then I Googled it. And it's really simple, y'all. I mean, I really had no idea. Now, they were not as good as my husband's because he must have some secret sauce, so to speak. But they were edible. And my children were very sweet about, yes, mom, they're good. And they (laughs) added a whole bunch of extra spicy ranch. But they ate them. (laughs) And I can't tell you how much it meant to me just to feel normal in that way and to be able to enjoy something that simple It's a little weird that something so simple could bring you so much joy, but I do think oftentimes in order to level or reset, you have to do things like that. Megan, clean your house. Elizabeth, sit by the pool, read a book. Amy, make a turkey burger. (laughs) And I think that you kind of touched on this. I think that it's important for us, for our longevity of our careers, to try to make time to doing that more often. Don't feel guilty to set aside an hour to, you know, clean your house or make dinner. Like other people are listening to this, like yelling at their phones. Like, why aren't you guys doing that every night? It's a great question. Yeah, it's true. Before you can do what makes you feel better, you have to know what that is. 
and to embrace even the simple, silly stuff. Like I, for so many years, was embarrassed to talk about how much I love to shop because I couldn't figure it out. But it did dawn on me eventually. And I used to go shopping a lot with my mom and my grandmother and my aunt. And it's just that memory of shopping. I still love to shop with my mother. Also, I just love, (laughs) I just love new clothes. I just do. And I like how they make you feel. And I like the idea, most importantly, that I buy all my clothes with money that I make. And I know I've been married. Yeah. Yeah. I've been married a long time. We share our funds. I get that. But I spend money that I've earned and that makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. And I am no longer afraid to talk about that. I think that's very valid. Yeah. Good for you. Thank you. I was just saying how I took that Tuesday off and then Wednesday I ended up coming in, but I did make it a short day and I left a little bit early and I went after a week in trial of wearing, you know, my suits. I was like, I need some new suits. And I went shopping and it did feel great. Yeah, it does. And then it makes it not so bad the next time you have to put on a suit to go to trial. Right. Because you've got one that you think, oh, this is cute. I don't mind wearing this. And your whole attitude sort of falls into place. Mm -hmm. Well, what does the rest of the year look like, ladies? Are we going to get a break or is it going to be more of the same? Elizabeth? More of the same is on the outlook for me. I haven't been quite as back-to-back as everyone else. We've had some stuff resolve or get pushed to the end of the year. Good for you. But it seems like it's going to be a really busy fall. But hopefully, you know, there's some calmness and peace on the horizon after that for everybody. I am curious, though. I know that there's a few folks that like after a loss or even a win feel that kind of like I think we're all kind of like looking for that adrenaline rush. And so they use it as a way to like throw themselves back into work without taking any time off. And to me, that seems like so dangerous to like just because it will eventually like you're not going to be able to do that anymore and you're just going to be really burnt out. Yeah, it's just burnout. Right. Like, is there any upside to doing that? Like using that kind of like, I don't know, excitement about the law, I guess, or like our jobs to kind of like keep pushing? I know we've talked about this before in the podcast, but to me, it's a flex. Right. To say, oh, I tried a case for two weeks and then I worked the rest of the weekend just to da 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 And then, no, all that tells me is I'm sorry for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry that you can't find other things to do with your time. And I know people are busy and I get it. And it's time management. And I'm probably one of the worst people about that. But what I've learned is there is no pride in burning yourself out on purpose. And I listened to a podcast the other day. I'm not going to remember exactly which one. The woman was talking about burnout. And she's like, here's what it is for me. I'm having a typical day. And then I drop my coffee. And I'm a sobbing mess. Because it's not just about dropping my coffee. It's about what on earth else is going on in my life. That this is the very last straw I am sobbing in the coffee shop and everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy and offering me another cup and it's not that big of a deal. I don't even have to clean it up myself, but it's proof that you're burned out. And after I listened to that, it was as if she was speaking directly to me because earlier that day, something small like that had happened and I was literally crying like, what is wrong with, and not in front of anybody, okay, but it tells you you're not up to 100%. We are strong people. And if, you know, stubbing a toe or breaking a nail or I don't know, a phone call that doesn't go perfectly or being on hold for five minutes puts you over the edge, 
you need to look around and find out what else is going on in your life that you need to address. So your capacity for these kind of things isn't at zero. I have used the word addicting before when talking about trials. I've now been a part of five of them since I started working here. And I do think it's being in trial is addicting in that as a young lawyer, every single trial, I think of things that I want to do better next time. And so I'm always looking forward to implementing the things I learned from this previous trial experience into the next one. And that's really what I mean when I say it's addicting. It's like, I can't wait to use the things that I've learned from this, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I want to do it tomorrow (laughs) Um, because I want to do it. I want to take that next case to trial. But after this back-to-back trial experience, I am exhausted and I am looking forward to the next one, but I want it to be after a beat. (laughs) Right. I've got four cases set right now in the same month this fall. I mean, they don't overlap. So there's that. I mean, if I could physically do it. Right. But that's insane. We play chicken a lot of time. We play chicken because I don't want to be the one that says, yeah, I can't do it that week. I never want to be the one to say that because I know it means my client's case is not going to resolve as soon as it could, either by settlement or by trial. And that feels bad. So we play chicken and that adds to the stress. More times than not, it does work itself out. But it's just a constant worry that I guess in 25 years, I've not been able to figure out how to totally resolve it. But I do think after a while, surviving it year after year does give you some history that you can continue to survive it. You're like, well, it's been worse, hasn't it? And you're thinking, (laughs) I'm thinking to myself, I don't even think so. I I don't think so, but maybe it did. I think it's super duper duper important. And I've tried to do this for a long time is for, let's say, December. Pick your month. And December makes sense just because of the holidays. Don't set cases in December. And that way, if in October, if you have four cases set, at least you can see the end of the road. Right. I like and, that rule of thumb. Yeah. Also, probably try to avoid the first of the year, which I uh, learned the hard way, <laughs> but avoided it, thankfully, because if you don't, like the end of December is not going to be pleasant for you. That's an excellent point. I should have said, and the earliest I want to set a trial is mid-January. Yeah. Between December 1 and mid-January, please no trials set. But, you know, we've all been there where the only time you can get a case set unless you want to wait another year is January 4th. It all goes back to that same notion of, well, am I going to be one to say no and cause another year to go by? I usually say, okay, set it and just hope for the best. But I guess that's what we do. It's what makes us really super good at what we do because our devotion to our own detriment sometimes, which is kind of bringing us back to the theme of this, which is take the time when you can know what you need to feel refreshed and don't ever feel badly about doing it. So I know that we've kind of touched on, you know, taking some time after, in our case, trying a case, but in other professionals case, maybe big project, big deadline, taking some time, then doing the triage, taking some time off. And then now you have to reenter back into, you know, your regular life. So how do you pick the work back up after stepping away for a while 
to work on something that was obviously work-related, but you probably neglected some other things. As hard as this is to admit, I've definitely experienced some lack of motivation in trying to like pick everything back up because for your week, for your month leading up, your whole entire life is dedicated to this one project that you end up feeling really passionately about. And, you know, if you don't really believe in that case, if you don't, you know, take it personally, the jury is going to sense that. And we end up really taking our cases personally. And it's kind of hard to like pick something else back up that you don't have that connection necessarily with again. But I've kind of been doing that this week and keeping a task list has really been helping me. These are the things I need to get done by these dates. And I chug through them and I know that next week it's going to be a lot different. I'm going to feel more refreshed because I'm truly just, you know, three days out of trial. Next week I'm going to feel better. But this week what's been keeping me going is I had, you know, a meeting with where we went through all of our cases one by one. What is the next to do on this case? What is the next to do on this case? And then prioritize those. And I made a list of like 10 things I needed to get done this week and just checking them off the list. And it's felt really good to check things off the list that I knew I needed to get done. Definitely a little bit of like dread beforehand of like, I really don't want to do this, but I know it's going to feel better once it's done. I echo that, especially the team meeting. My reentry from the last you know few months is next week. Actually, I gave some grace. Liz is out this week and I was kind of laying low But next week, we're having a team meeting to go through every case on list, every potential new case, every case that is in any stage on the case list with our staff and our law clerks, because we're lucky to have law clerks in the summer, which has been a godsend because a lot of things can get done, at least almost done with law clerk help. And I think that's going to help me because right now I have very little independent thought about cases. (laughs) Unless it's in my email inbox, I'm not thinking about it. Unless there's a voicemail from somebody asking me a question, I'm not thinking about it. And that's not a great place to be because we're supposed to be the offensive thinkers. We're supposed to be the ones who are pushing cases forward, filing cases, investigating cases, setting things up to get done because otherwise they don't get done. So I need that structured environment with my staff and a physical case list and say, okay, case A, where are we? What's been going on? Somebody update me on what I've missed. Because if you're lucky, which I am, you do have staff members who are keeping the plates spinning to a certain extent and are making sure things aren't falling through the cracks, of course. But that's the motivation I need to sit with a group of people And to be able to talk about that case and have a group think about what the best, most efficient thing going forward is, and then assign it out, whether it comes to me or to anybody else on the case list. And then I walk out of those case list meetings feeling great because we touched everything and all this, you know, smoke in my mind about, oh, what am I missing? What's out there that I haven't thought about that I should have thought about that is, you know, falling through And it all comes out and it's hard work, but I feel better when I'm done. So I'm having that next week. And I'm in the meantime, pretending like everything's good (laughs) 
for the weekend, I totally everything's fine. I it's, <laughs> We spent probably over four hours in our case review meeting. Yeah. And it's exhausting. And it's a little overwhelming when you look back on your notes after and see all the things you have to do. But it really helped me to really prioritize, okay, I have this motion in lemonade due this Friday. This right. is my priority number one. Number two, what's due on Monday? And just taking those notes, it's refreshing and it's hard work, but it makes you feel good. And then going the extra mile, I think, to prioritize and make an order to what I need to do was helpful to me. And I feel great because it doesn't feel so overwhelming if you have more than one person who's thinking about it and more than one person who is tasked with getting things done on that particular case. So that's the best way that I've been able to re-enter, so to speak, into all the other cases that weren't being tried that week (laughs) or the last two months. Well, and I like that you both, it seems like you both are kind of doing this, did this, like a bit of a soft launch back into your work life, which I think helps after coming off of like, it's not like you just took three weeks off to go on vacation. You took three weeks to do something like really time consuming and very exhausting mentally and physically. So I think that kind of letting yourself like, here's some things that I need to be doing, but it doesn't need to be done right this minute certainly gives you a peace of mind and helps you be able to like take it a little bit easy that week, knowing that, you know, Monday will come around and then you will do it, which is uh, something I really like, (laughs) really like to do that. It has always been the case that eventually I'm excited to jump back in the arena. Mm -hmm whether it's a deposition or a trial or just a court hearing, it has always been the case that the fire gets lit again. Burned out for a certain amount of time, but the fire does get lit again. And that comes with the planning that we talked about. It comes with taking care of yourself, knowing what you need to do, feeling better, taking advantage of those things. And then I love the soft launch into the reentry because it really does help get you back on your feet. So, all right, ladies, thank you so much for the discussion this afternoon. I feel better already. And it might also be because it's Friday afternoon and we're all getting the hell out of Dodge. (laughs) Just a small part of it. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for listening to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. You can find us at heelsinthecourtroom.law. We'll see you next week. Amy, Liz, Erica, Mary, Elizabeth, and Megan would love to hear from you. Send your thoughts to comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law and subscribe today 